All right. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are yet again. Uh, Dom, first of all, welcome in, Dom. Dom, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, doing very well. I, I will say I have been all over the place this last month or so. I am now in my fourth different apartment in five weeks, but this is the final Jeez. one, at least for the next several months. So we are good to go along those lines. And incidentally, as you know, but I'll fill the audience in here, I am finally living my lifelong podcasting dream of podcasting from bed. It was the only place that I could find to set up my uh, mic in like an adequate manner. I'm hoping the acoustics aren't terrible, but at long last, uh, I'm finally fulfilling my destiny there as the world's most horizontal podcaster. Uh, but nonetheless, we don't need to get bogged down too much in all of that today. Uh, we are back unfortunately this week not to talk about survivor 43 which is often running I mean, hey, look a survivor contestant from seasons past <laughs> yeah. does feature in a lot of the discussion today and anyone who knows us or me specifically knows that i thrive on drama this is my life force this is what keeps me going and so the fact that so many of my hobbies i guess two but we you know uh, maybe there's more to come uh, the fact that they have both had this uh incredibly public high-profile cheating scandals at the same time and it's caused this firestorm of discussion on social media and everywhere else i i, I live for this this, this is I, I was born to uh, born to watch it and perhaps born to podcast it. i guess we'll find out about it in the next uh, hour or so i mean not only poker and chess but dom i know you're an avid fisherman and there's some drama going on there <laughs> that we may touch on uh, a little later but yeah this has been a story that I'm guessing plenty of people have heard about, but plenty of others have not. Uh, and it does involve, and thus technically constitute survivor content, uh, Garrett, who I'm guessing most people hearing us would know from Survivor Kageyan, uh, who is a professional poker player who is well known to say the least. Uh, a little more on that in a minute. But uh, actually, Dom, I am already very nervous about the degree of hyperbole i may or may not use along the way here oh, so I, 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 i'm gonna ask you especially because uh you're gonna describe all of this in a much more succinct manner and your accent is just more pleasing so let's have you dom talk the people through the rough kind of outline of what went down and why this is such a big deal well, hey, as I said, I'm excited about this. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. So no guarantees that I will be avoiding uh, hyperbole either, but I will do my best to uh, describe the facts in basic terms uh, as I see them. So uh, there has been, a, a, the, hey, poker is a, a an interesting microcosm of society populated mainly by uh, guys with too much time and too much money on their hands. And as such, there is a bottomless well of drama to to investigate if you're so inclined. Uh, but this is one of the few pieces of poker drama that I think has reached escape velocity and somehow made its way into the mainstream to the point where certainly just in casual poker circles, I've seen a lot of people saying that they just they're playing their usual session at the casino and all the discussion or anyone wants to talk about these people who don't follow poker, maybe don't even know much about poker. And that's why they're glad to be sitting at the table with them. They know the ins and outs and the details of the scandal. And, and they want to debate it and give their theories on, did she do it? Did she not do it? Uh, and even in the mainstream as well, I've seen a lot of people who uh, proudly boast of not knowing anything about poker, who still have strong opinions on how all of this uh, went down. And as you can imagine uh, with the quality of, poker discourse and people who don't know anything about it, uh, it, it has been quite the sight to behold. So uh, this is a new story, uh, I think it's safe to say. And so I will try to describe it 
as best I can. So basically, uh, in one of the the popular live poker games that streamed online, uh, Hustler Casino Live, um, this is a place in California where a lot of uh, you know top live poker players, as well as some uh, some people with a lot of uh, money to to throw around. Uh, meet weekly to to play poker. I guess broadcast to a, a pretty decent audience. I think they're doing uh, well for themselves. Uh, and this is certainly among like the. I guess this would be the equivalent of uh, Twitch for poker in the sense that it's a less enfranchised audience, but one that really gets themselves going for this kind of content. And the guy at the center of all of this, Garrett Adelstein, uh, he is the guy the game is built around uh, to the extent that it's safe to say that. Uh, where. He's someone who, if you are one of our usual listeners and you're here for your reality TV takes and you're dipping your toe in this to find out what's going on, you probably have a quite distinct opinion of Gary <laughs> if you remember him from Kagayan. And so that actually is a really relevant point, I think, in how all of this is being perceived. That I want to circle back to uh, once we get to that point. But uh, he's someone who is both one of the best live cash game players out there. He's been incredibly financially successful. Uh, and in terms of building his public profile, he is one of the more popular uh, poker figures with that kind of audience that tunes into stuff like this. And for the the other players in the game, getting the chance to play with or play against Garrett is one of the main appeals. And so uh, he has that combination of he's very good at poker. He often plays poker in this like entertaining, aggressive way where he's doing the he's taking these incredibly wild gambles but which are very calculated and so like he he has this style which is very telegenic like it's easy to watch easy to enjoy very easy to root for uh and then he just has this kind of level of like a uh, charisma and appeal that endears him to this mainstream audience who who wants to you know he has a lot of fanboys i think it's safe to say uh and so he's someone who the game is built around and one of the players in the game facing him uh this week and she's been in there on and off for a little bit now is uh, Robbie Liu, uh, so someone who no one really knew much about, certainly in the game and uh, in terms of the poker community, she was this uh, this unknown until very recently, until all of this kicked off. And uh, the context for all of this drama is in one of these hands, uh, she makes this decision, uh, this call of uh, Garrett's uh, all in bet, which is, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say, one of the most baffling decisions uh that i have ever seen in a hand of televised poker um, i was i was going to say the exact same thing and i'm glad that you said it instead of me because people don't <laughs> view it as hyperbolically when you say it and, and hey but part of the appeal of tv poker in any of its forms is seeing people do stuff that you know mathematically doesn't make any sense and which whether or not the person making that decision knows that is often besides the point to a degree uh, you want to see people just losing their minds and doing wild shit and this certainly qualifies uh as that but th this is a really necessary point to drive home early is a, a lot of the discussion here is being framed around oh well uh robbie just saw through his bluff or, or robbie uh read him to write like she uh she made this amazing read and she made this this great move and she she nailed him to the post and he's just uh, salty about that and he can't accept the fact that he lost or uh, if this is the angle you want to take he can't accept the fact that he lost to a girl and uh so th this is the perspective that certainly a lot of the people from outside of poker are bringing uh to that discussion but i think it's really important to emphasize that like this isn't a case of it's not that binary of well he's bluffing so does she pick up on it or does she not pick up on it even if you think that Garrett is full of shit here, that he has nothing, that he has a weak hand, uh, Robbie's 
hand hit is so weak that even in that time, even if you were certain that Garrett was bluffing, it would still be incredibly unlikely to even consider making this move because like you're still behind most of the hands that he would consider bluffing with in the first place. So you would need to have the kind of very specific read about his hand being essentially exactly this, which is not something that's not information you could ever deduce or ever have realistically. So, uh, yeah, if you want to argue yourself into, uh, she knew he was bluffing. So she made this move. Okay. You cannot argue. She knew that he had exactly this specific hand and therefore it made sense to do what she did like that. You will not find anyone who knows the rules of poker and who can do the basic mathematics behind it. Who will argue that convincingly. Right. Yeah. I think that is a, a pretty vital point that I'm guessing most of the kind of casual audience for lack of a better term, who is not in depth experienced with poker maybe missing the idea of oh she had a even if there was a literal guarantee that she can know with 100 percent certainty he is bluffing she would still fold this hand i I think that is a vital thing to to her obviously she would not fold this hand but (laughs) one would fold this hand even if you had a complete stone cold lock guarantee that he is definitely bluffing you're you're still absolutely crushed by the hands that he is choosing to bluff and that is the one thing that everyone within the community agrees upon whether or not you think that uh, there was any foul play involved or whether you think that garrett was right to react the way that he did or that she was right to react the way that she did uh no one will argue that this move makes sense on the merits, uh, not her coach, uh, Faraz Jagger, who has had an interesting couple of days in the sense that he has had more publicity for his poker coaching business than a- any other event could possibly have afforded him. At the same time, the takeaway that people are having is, well, OK, you're, you're paying this guy to, to coach you poker and he's telling you to do that. Really? <laughs> so I don't know exactly where all of that is going to land for him, but uh, he certainly is at least more in the public eye than he was uh, previously. But even... He, as her coach, who has a vested interest in people thinking that he is coaching her well and, and teaching her the tricks of the trade, like he's not arguing that she made a good move here. I like, I think he thinks that she is innocent, but based on you know she made a mistake or she misread a hand or, or some other explanation, he is not saying this was a good move. Uh, most of the prominent women in poker, uh, you know, Vanessa Selves uh, is someone who has been like really debating this back and forth with people uh ginger hardy jamie kerstad like you, you will not find well, whatever your angle is you will not find anyone who will argue this was a good move so that's that that is the necessary context to frame the the entire thing here which then leads you to frankly the much more interesting question of what the hell is going on here because if this doesn't make sense then what is the explanation for it and i think the reason that this has been so compelling and generated so much interest and and drama and debate back and forth is not, nothing makes sense. There's no angle you can take here where, like, okay, I, I can see how this could all come together. So uh, is she cheating? Is there some foul play involved? Did, was someone signaling to her that uh, she had the best hand and she could make this call, which otherwise would just be completely uh, absurd? Well, it's tough to see how how that would come together or why it would make sense to do it now in this situation, given the level of backlash it received, or why you would do it on this hand and not any of the other hands which... Uh, you know, she has played up until this point. It, it's hard to construct a narrative where that makes sense. But equally, uh, if she actually level, well, was it an intentional move? Was it a mistake? Uh, she herself has gone back and forth on that in her public statements. Um, and then 
it, it's just none, none of that makes sense. And then the the way that both of them have handled it, where you know Garrett has publicly accused her of cheating, uh, she then gave back uh, the money that she won in their hand, and then that led to this further debate, where again both of them have been kind of changing their stories over whether there was any implicit or explicit pressure uh, put on her to do that, uh, and then people are dissecting that decision, where it's like, well, if wait, how, why would you choose to give the money back if you are innocent? And surely this is the biggest sign of guilt uh, of all, and then. Uh, both of them are now uh, suspended from access to that game pending an investigation by the people behind uh, Hustlers Casinos Live, which Garrett has ties to those people. So it's unclear if that can be fully uh, unbiased. And then uh, there are other details of like, well, Robbie knew people in the game, like one of her business partners was in the game alongside her. And then uh, when all of these accusations were being thrown back and forth, her husband, who is a big time L.A. like entertainment lawyer, uh, you know, as a lawyer, decided to wade into the mix and uh, threatened to, to sue Garrett. So there's just been so many levels of this just like compounding on itself. And, uh, you know, the, the poker community cannot really be trusted to have a uh, a sensible, like simmer down discussion at the best of times. And these are the worst of times <laughs> uh, if you want to avoid that kind of drama. Yeah. And then when you bring a bunch of basically non-poker playing people into the mix because it's just become such a big story. It has frankly been kind of a nightmare to be on poker Twitter these last few days here, but the long and the short of it is this. The hand itself is just so absurd that at least on the surface, and we will get into the various possibilities and pros and cons of the likelihood of like each of these things happening, it is not crazy by any stretch to think that one of the more likely situations is either she knew his exact hand because like the dealer when they were dealing pitched the cards too high or whatever and she caught a glimpse of it there or another school of thought is she has some sort of like cheating device on her and then there's also the school of thought of course uh that should not be overlooked that she didn't have any information about his hand and either made the call because she's just a rich person who said YOLO and wanted to gamble or made the call because she misread her hand and thought she had something different than she did. And I think uh, all of those are well within the realm of possibility based on what we know right now. So uh, let's dive into all of this. And I actually think the place to kind of start is with how this became such a big deal in the first place, because it's definitely important to emphasize as things stand now, again, there is no kind of physical evidence of any sort of cheating going on. And the reason that there is this much heat on her, I would say largely comes down to Garrett's reputation within the poker world. And Dom, you know, you gave some backstory on this already. Uh, and, set up that you know garrett is essentially kind of the star of this show which is the biggest live cash game stream going on youtube these days and has become very popular in the year or so that it's been going on and garrett has been uh a well-known poker player long before that as well but this has really kind of thrust him into the limelight not only this one uh but another stream called live at the bike that started several years uh ago and has kind of put garrett in a position where, as far as I would be concerned, and Dom, you have kind of carte blanche to stop me along the way here whenever you feel like I'm being hyperbolic, I would say 
as someone who was very into the poker scene and the live streaming cash game scene, Garrett is the face of this whole kind of operation and has been for quite a long time. Uh, and as such, Garrett's reputation is one that anyone who has been following this with any degree of like regularity over the years knows very well. And they have seen hundreds, if not probably approaching a thousand hours at this point of Garrett playing really, really well. And I think most vitally never once that I have ever seen. And I would, I'm certainly open to people like finding clips of this over the years. Cause again, there are hundreds upon hundreds of hours of him playing on these kinds of streams to go through if there are counterexamples, I think one of the most kind of like predominant features of Garrett as a poker player and kind of his reputation within the poker community is not only that of one of him being one of the best players in this format in the entire world. He's not just a very good player. He is like the end boss of live no limit hold'em cash games in the United States of America. But furthermore, Garrett is like an unflappably cool customer and consummate professional like there are hundreds of hands where garrett loses much more money than he lost in this one and often in somewhat weird ways and all he ever does is smile and say nice hand and be as cordial as possible to the people he's playing with with as far as i know literally zero exceptions and that is why this is generating so much kind of buzz and controversy because this is the first time and the the person who was doing the live commentary as the stream was going on immediately noted this right after the hand ended that this was a reaction from Garrett totally unlike anything that we have ever seen before in pretty close to a thousand hours if not more of watching him play on these live streams like he looks immediately very visibly disturbed and with good reason i would say like in that spot it's hard not to wonder what the hell is going on how did she possibly just make this call with jack four high and have it be correct like that that and, is yeah yeah and this is where the the preconceptions that you bring to this really affect how you're going to see this coming in to the extent that it's like one of those uh like visual deception things like the the dress color or like whatever where if you are locked into a certain mindset you can't really see it any other way but um like so for for garrett if you know him from survivor where for his uh very short sin you know he came across as this like entitled uh arrogant clown who like got blindsided with an idol in his pocket and he was set up to fail and like gave him all the material they needed to portray him in that light and so yeah he got blindsided by the women on the tribe and like goes out in this blaze of glory to cap off this truly outstanding, uh, just like hot mess of a uh, premiere for that season uh, to, to introduce it. And so if that's who you know Garrett to be, and you're kind of hearing about this drama through the grapevine, very easy to assume that, okay, well th this, that's Garrett, like story checks out, right? Like this is the kind of thing where, uh, yeah, he does something stupid, gets called out on it and then uh, just absolutely loses his mind. Equally, um, the people who I think some of this is in good faith, some of this is in bad faith, but the people coming to this saying, well, this guy is just mad that this uh, this woman saw right through him and, and saw his laugh. There is and any woman who's played live poker will tell you this. There is no shortage of uh, examples of like 
entitled like ruddy faced man like makes some bad play or loses the hand or something and just blows up uh at the table and maybe blows up at the the women there who are responsible harder than they would uh, at any of the guys who implicitly get more respect so applying that like template to this interaction again completely see why you would do that coming in but i don't really think that's what's a, a play here and equally um like there, there are people in poker whose entire brands are built around the blow-ups that they have once they lose a hand to the point where like that is what they're known for for better or for worse and they they lean into it and they encourage it so uh phil helmuth is the most notorious example of course but uh th that is a long list of people as well uh garrett is not one of those people uh, and he is if anything known for keeping this uh kind of calm steely demeanor uh, at the table and for someone who is uh, fair to say is the face of live poker in in many ways this is a guy who you know, you, you can be this notorious character, right? You can be known for going off at people or uh, whatever, and that's something you can do. That's not uh, something that gets you invited to these, like, private high-stakes cash games. It's not something that endears you to a lot of the, honestly, the marks for this form of play, which are people who have a lot of money and a lot of time and who are looking to just uh, kill some of that time playing poker, have some fun. They want a pleasant experience at the table, and they ideally want to play with someone who, they respect and look up to and can like talk some uh, shit with at the table and just have a good time and not someone who's going to make them feel like shit for just, you know, making the in air quotes wrong play uh, when they're just looking to spew off some, some pocket change for them and have some fun. Uh, and so both in terms of like personality, uh, his like professional obligations uh, and everything else, like Garrett is someone who is known for not doing stuff like this. And so this is part of why this whole incident is so surprising is if this were just him blowing things out of proportion and blowing up on someone, it would be so incredibly out of character given this reputation built up across so many years that that in itself would be like a big story regardless of any of the details of the hand. Totally. Yeah. And I also think it is worth flagging up that, you know, he goes all in, in this hand for right around, uh, I think a little more than, but we'll call it, $100,000. of uh, This is real money that they're playing for, and obviously $100,000 is a ton of money to most people. $100,000 is meaningless to Garrett. There is absolutely no chance that he would jeopardize that reputation just to get $100,000 back. I uh, Like... Again, Dom, please stop me if you think that I'm being hyperbolic at any no, point. No, no, no. You're, you're completely right here. And this is the essence of poker is that this isn't chess, which is a game we will come into uh, in due course. Here. This is a game with a lot of variance involved. And unless you can handle that, unless you can handle someone who maybe you don't respect as a player or as a person, and this is kind of a, uh, this wrinkle to life poker, which I, or poker in general, which I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on. And again, cut me off if you want to interject here. But part of the, the weird trade-off involved is you make your money by people uh, effectively donating money to you, making bad decisions against you. And to some extent, the people who you need to uh, like isolate in order to make that happen are people who might have other flaws in their thinking or they're people who are prone to making these emotional, rash decisions. It's like the, the qualities you're looking for in someone who you want to play poker against, if you're someone like Garrett, 
are not the qualities that you want in someone who would be a business partner or just a regular partner or maybe a friend in real life. Like you, you want people who are going to just like tilt off and do stupid things and, and so on and so forth. Um, whereas the, the other side of that coin is if you are, uh, you know, Richie McRich joining this game and, uh, if this money is pocket change to Garrett, it's absolutely pocket change to you. Uh, you know, you could lose your uh, hypothetical hundred thousand dollar bill and, and not think twice about it. Then you want someone who is more like Garrett, someone who is going to be just like fun to be around. And yeah, maybe uh, you know that you are effectively giving them money, but you're happy to do that because they're just so nice about it and so fun about it and so on. So I think that is much more often the case, especially yeah. at these. It's like the Bill Kleins of the world where. They go in certainly knowing that they are going to lose money in the long run. And Bill, and sorry to get sidetracked here, but like Bill Klein, anytime he wins, he donates all of the profit to charity. And anytime he loses, he matches it and donates it to charity because he's a billionaire and the money is totally irrelevant and he's just trying to have fun. And I think not only for the people with these mega high stakes, but even for me, just playing down here in Florida, a huge percentage of why poker is a sustainable like occupation is first of all it's the one casino game where you're not playing against the house and you're just playing against other people who are going to make similar decisions to you but not as accurately and in the long run the better players are going to like clean up when that is the case but you're playing against people who go in knowing in the long run they are going to lose but any given night could be a big win for them and that's absolutely true and they are willing to make that exchange because they really just enjoy playing poker and that's almost yeah so in a way the ideal opponent for someone like garrett is someone who maybe he can respect more on a personal level someone who is like a like high functioning uh just normal ish guy who or girl who happens to be a billionaire with a lot of money to burn and who someone who he can like fully respect as a person, but who also is willing to just shower him with money. But uh, by and large, the way his bread is buttered is to deliberately seek out these people who maybe he does not respect much as players or as people or who kind of tell him to spend time with or what have you. And very often he is going to lose a lot of money to those people because that's how a game with this much variance in built uh, into it works. And he is going to have to, not just grit his teeth, but smile and congratulate them and say, nice hand and uh, add in such a way they will put themselves in that same spot again, but that he is actually going to realize his equity and come out on the right side of it the next time. Like He he has a strong professional and personal incentive to not blow up on people the way that it seems like he is in this hand if you don't know the context behind the situation. Is what right. I'm getting and, at. I mean, not only does any relatively high stakes poker player have roughly that incentive i think garrett is just about the biggest outlier you could possibly draw up with maybe some single digit number of exceptions like in the entire world to just never ever put himself in the middle of anything even slightly like this let alone stuff you know controversy that's getting attention in like the new york post and in all these mainstream media outlets like for garrett and again this is this is over on paper the matter of a hundred thousand dollars which is very insignificant to him i would imagine a lot like the chess controversy that's kind of going on i think a very apt parallel and again as dom has flagged up i know how crazy this is going to sound to people who only know garrett from survivor but he is not far off from being like the Magnus Carlsen figure 
in the poker world where as long as he just avoids controversy, he's going to make millions of dollars every year and just be viewed as a god among men for as long as he lives if he just stays out of this sort of thing. And that is why the idea that she may have cheated is getting as much traction as it has, because not only does Garrett have nothing of substance to gain by making a big deal out of this, he has so much to lose if he is wrong. Uh, and so when he does go out of his way to make this sort of allegation, it would be crazy not to at least hear him out given the kind of risk reward balance there where he has so much disincentive to do this sort of thing but he's choosing to do it anyway and more broadly i think the reason that the idea of this being a cheating scandal has really caught fire is that uh the last uh semi-high profile cheating scandal at least in the poker community i don't know if this one really gained that much traction outside but a few years ago there was a guy named mike parcel who was caught cheating in the most like incredible overall investigation uh, in a, a similar one of these like streamed uh, live games. I will add and, quickly, allegedly caught cheating. Uh, and that, yes, we, of course, yes. would never say Mike Postle was definitely and very obviously cheating because it would be potentially libelous to say Mike Postle was definitely and very obviously cheating. Yeah. Or his, slanderous, his own, I suppose. His, his, yes. His own brother may have said in one of those streams that his that Mike had never met an angle he didn't want to shoot. But that's his brother. His brother gets <laughs> to say that. I do not, which is why I have myself have not said it. Uh, and, you know, hypothetically, if, if he had a, a wife or a husband who was a high-stakes uh, lawyer or high-stakes, uh, whatever, very rich lawyer, I would not want them suing me. And so luckily that situation will not present itself. However, uh, there was this guy, Mike Puzzle, who uh, allegedly uh, was caught cheating in, in this way. And this is this was catnip for all of these amateur detectives and internet sleuths made worse by the fact that they were right. He was guilty. He did it. And so people trawled through these archives extensively and they, they found the the mechanisms that he was using where he was like, he had this signaling device and someone who was working uh, behind the scenes at the game was sending him information. And so now when, when you see all of these, uh, like uh, it's like they're always sunny in Philadelphia uh, meme with uh, like uh, the, the, the crazy investigation. Like that's part of why you see that here where it's, Oh, well, she she swiveled the top on her water bottle and then positioned it at a 47 degree angle at this exact moment. Or uh, <laughs> she she uh, sat in this position with one leg crossed over the other and then she uncrossed her leg. Oh, my God. That that is part of why you're seeing this. And not just because people are liable to lose their minds and go down conspiratorial rabbit holes, which there are sadly too many examples of in the world at large. Uh, but th there is precedent for that aspect of things in the poker community, too. And it feels like. You know, after COVID, we, we need a treat. We, we need something we can really sink our teeth into again. And if this is it, then th that'll be great. And if if there is uh, something sinister going on, whoever catches this and identifies, OK, I, I call her like, I don't know, tapping the, the buckle on her bracelet or something at just this moment. Like that person will feel so over the moon and that high is going to last for, for years for them. They're going to be the next Joey Ingram, baby. Uh, yeah, but... I mean, j j like Joey has... Is it 36 hours on this scandal already at this point in terms of his uh, like live streams and call-in shows where uh, like he single-handedly may have amassed more hours talking about this than like the rest of humanity could combine? I mean, that is a guy who goes hard in the paint. Big time shout oh, out yeah. to Joe. Uh, but yeah, so I also think, again, while emphasizing 
at this time, there is nothing in the way of concrete evidence to suggest that Robbie did indeed cheat. Not only is just the sheer fact that Garrett is making this accusation when he has nothing to gain and a ton to lose, like a very compelling point. There are other contextual possibilities that something weird may have been going on uh so to just and 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 not sorry to cut you off again but one of those contextual factors is the other currently unfolding drama that we're going to come on to after this which is the whole scandal in the chess world where there's so much speculation around okay well is this guy hansen even cheating over the board and if so how is this happening like given that he seemed to pass this initial security check and given that he has the eyes of the world and the chess community on him, like what what is being done here? What is the theory of the case? And that's why, you know, the, the normal kind of uh, fairly tame and mundane chess discussion is being overtaken by conspiracies involving like anal beads and God knows what else. And like that, that that's all the community is talking about these days. And I have to think that if that weren't part of the backdrop here, that this coming hot off the heels of that wouldn't have caught fire in quite the same way. Right. And, you know, ever since everything went down with Postle, allegedly, uh, it has been the standard, as far as I know, across any live stream cash game worth their salt, that players are not allowed to have their phones on their person when they're playing. And, like, no exceptions even for Phil Ivey, uh, who... <laughs> came and played at Hustler one time and was apparently very annoyed uh, that he could not have his phone on him. But then the another kind of like interesting facet here is Ivy came back for the first time in quite a while. And this very stream where all of this went down was supposed to be this big deal because Phil Ivy, who is potential hyperbole alert here, but probably not the most legendary poker player maybe of all time uh, being on this stream was supposed to be the big deal. And it got totally overshadowed by all of this going down. And one question potentially worth asking is if you are cheating, why on earth would you do it on this stream with Ivy on it that you know is going to have more eyeballs than pretty much any other stream that ever runs. Uh, but a couple other things that just kind of seemed at least a little suspicious, if not, very suspicious uh and some other context has developed for some of these points and i'm sure we'll address it as it comes up but like from garrett's perspective in the moment i think it is worth considering the following number one robbie has only been playing on these streams for like a week at this point i think this is the, the third time she's ever played uh and the first two times she played she bought in for 10 times less than she chose to buy in for on this particular night where this weird hand goes down, where she's correctly calling off a hundred thousand dollars with Jack high, no pair, no draw. Uh, he said he had watched her play on those streams the last couple of nights or whenever it was that she had played before and had never done anything remotely like this in, in similar spots in the past. And that was very suspicious to him. And then I had actually seen, one of the first two streams that she played on. And I noticed this next point as well. And it could, again, easily be explained by her just being relatively new to poker and not really having things down to as much of a science uh, as most of the other people that you're going to meet at a poker table. But 
in what even the night before any of this drama was developing i saw her play a hand actually i think it was against the aforementioned bill klein where when i was watching it there was some decision she was making where i couldn't believe how long she was taking like what the the timing on some of her decisions is undeniably very unnatural in certain spots and again could easily be and ex- yeah and this is where i think the one of the more prominent conspiracy i won't call it conspiracy theories but if you were cheating how it might occur is the use of the time trip where it, it seems like the hands that seem the most suspicious are the ones where she takes this inordinately long amount of time and then tosses in the time trip and the theory being that this both buys her enough time for whatever transmission mechanism is being used to be sent back and forth and then the use of the time trip is a signal that oh i i need this information sent to me so that that is like the signal to move if you like Mm -hmm. yeah and so there are a couple of kind of circumstantial things but i think the most interesting i'm reluctant to call it damning but i think she did herself no favors and it is very understandable to me why garrett would think that he might be cheated because her explanation of why she did the things she did once she, you know, the, the table saw what went down and they all reacted and they were all wondering what the hell was going on. When pressed on this issue, in the moment, she gave one answer and then 10 minutes later, she did like an interview for the live stream and gave a totally different answer. And then later that night, she went on Twitter and started going back to the first answer and then switched it all over again. I think that is not by any means like incriminating on its own, but her various explanations for why she did the things that she did and the frequency with which they have changed definitely does not help her case. Although I think it could be very easily explained by just being again, a a very new player as far as I'm aware to just poker as a game and feeling an immense amount of pressure because of the reaction that she got to the way that everything played out that she potentially at least didn't even really know herself why she ended up making the call that she ended up making and was just kind of scrambling to come up with anything that sounded remotely coherent uh, to kind of explain her thought process there. But to the ears of an experienced player, like the things that she was saying make like a legitimately negative amount of sense. Like the defenses she was using if she was thinking along those lines would have led her to fold, not call. Uh, like she's talking about, Oh, I thought you had ACE high. Uh, and it's okay. So why call with Jack high? If you think I have ACE high and she starts talking about like blockers and which is, you know, we don't need to get bogged down in poker technicalities, but like the things that she is using to defend herself from like a poker point of view, make negative sense again like they're they're the opposite of what you would say it, it, yeah her, her story doesn't add up and the story also becomes a new story with each new retelling of that story so at first it was yeah i saw read you just like they do in the movies and i i put you on nothing and you had nothing and you're you're bitter that you got beat by a woman and so on and then it turns into oh yeah i actually did mis- misread my hand i did have a pair and then it's like it keeps jumping back and forth and then every new statement or uh kind of piece of content she puts out there about it only makes things more suspicious and adds more fuel to the fire and more doubt and so on in a way that it feels like 
it it should be quite easy to clear it up or add some clarity to the situation. And yeah, if you genuinely did misread your hand and you thought you had a pair, and there's this is one of the more plausible theories for how it could it could be innocent, which is oh yeah, in the previous hand I had a pretty similar hand to this, and so my brain just kind of like misfired when I uh, looked down at this one, and uh, so my, it kind of carried forward that assumption. If that's the case, you can just say that, and it actually like I, I think that would have basically put all of it to rest for the most part. Um, and yet she is saying that, but only after several different occasions of saying like the exact opposite thing to the point where now it's like, well, we can't trust anything you're saying about this anymore. And this is where it continues being so puzzling because for as much as all of that is inherently like raising more questions than it answers, at the same time, if you were an amateur who just is joining the game to have some fun and slosh some money around and you end up embroiled in a situation against like, the fan favorite face of the game, uh, you know, very well-connected guy, both in the community and in this specific game in this casino with this production team. And now you find yourself embroiled in this public scandal. I don't know how I would react to that. It probably wouldn't be with much coherence or grace or whatever. Like I, I don't know what I would do, honestly. And it's for as much as the, the poker community, like being good at poker relies on having this, sound theory of mind about the people that you're playing with that the level of like amateur psychology which is either giving her too much credit or too little credit sometimes at the same time about what you would do if you were innocent in a situation like that is kind of mind-blowing to me as well like there's a lot of dumb commentary about all of this from outside the community there's a lot of very dumb commentary on it and just about human psychology as a whole from inside the community too totally yeah and i think at least for me for the day or two and potentially even continuing to right now, my reaction lined up pretty neatly with uh, that of a very well-known poker player, Isaac Haxton, uh, who tweeted out and framed it in much more succinct terms than I ever could. Uh, and so I will just copy him verbatim. His analysis in the moment was, no matter how you look at it, this hand makes no sense. So it's easy to assume cheating, but... When you assume cheating, it still makes no sense, uh, end quote there. And that, I think, is another vital point worth flagging up of it's easy to look at this and say, how could you possibly make that call unless you somehow had absolute certainty about either his exact cards or the fact that your hand would be good if you just got it to showdown at the end? But if you are capable of cheating in a game like this how on earth could you ever do something so like ineptly obvious to expose yourself and that is why i think like a well very... I, the answer there is a lot of cheaters just aren't good at cheating or they aren't that clever and like how many how many people both in poker and just in any competitive activity have been caught cheating in a way that like it seems like you really would have to go out of your way to get caught if you were doing it in this way. And yet, sure enough, they, they find a way, they find the losing line. Like, honestly, it's, it, it, people make bad decisions, both innocently and sometimes when they're trying to not be innocent, they sometimes make bad decisions too. And, uh, like, it's trying to delve into the psychology of a cheater in that way is often a fool's errand, I think. Like, for example, going back to the point about why would you choose the game where... Uh, the the big story is Phil Ivey is back. He's playing again, and this game will have more eyeballs on it than any other. 
for some cheaters, that would be the exact reason right there, is if I can pull this off in the game that Phil Ivey is playing, that more people are watching than they ever have before, that is the ultimate thrill. Like That is the high that I'm chasing here, right? So you, you could slice that one uh, either way. And likewise, for, for a lot of cheaters, I think it is pathological. Like I know in, uh, in Magic the Gathering, like a game that I have played and covered and watched extensively, there have been a lot of cases of people who, like, cheating where the cheat itself kind of makes no sense and the cheat is on camera in a way that even if people don't pick up on it at the time and often it's kind of embarrassing how the the commentators who are meant to be explaining and following the game or like the the staff at the table just completely miss it you know that if there is something amiss here some sleuth on reddit will have uncovered it and posted it all over twitter within a matter of minutes or hours and yet they still do it and it doesn't make any rational sense, but it happens. And I think that's a fairly universal thing. And so uh, the idea of why would you cheat in the spot that makes no sense, it, to the extent that cheating ever makes any sense, like often it, it is an inherently irrational procedure, uh, for lack of a better word. So how do you cheat at Magic the Gathering, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, to me, this is like, I, I, I certainly hear what you're saying, but this spot is like, just so ludicrous like even mike possel had his limits where there would be situations where he allegedly would be sitting there knowing the person is definitely bluffing and if he calls he will win but by making that call it's just too egregious that he may risk blowing up his own spot uh and there are plenty of instances where possel sits there and fake tanks like forever so that the audience knows oh he's a genius he's on to them bluffing but he's got such a weak hand that he probably can't call like you can see him doing the calculation of if i make this call is that going to be too obvious that i that i know with certainty <laughs> allegedly uh, <laughs> what they have and, and this is a chance for me to actually use my master's thesis and you know convince myself i didn't spend years of my life working on this so I, i'm going to bring this in for a second uh so my thesis was actually on the topic of uh poker bots essentially of like uh if you were trying to you know construct a uh, a model of a player in such a way that they would maximize their winnings while avoiding detection how do you go about doing that and how does that compare to the actual instances of poker bots and so on that we see uh having been caught in, in online games. And one of the, the findings there in one of the more hope, uh, high profile cheating investigations on the poker forum 2 plus 2 back in the day was that even in situations where you had this ring of cheaters and they were going out of the way to uh, diversify their range, I guess, in the sense of like intentionally losing pots where they knew for sure that they, uh, they could win or, or should have won or where they were doing their best to imitate what they thought their actions should look like in the game, but like deviate slightly to the point where, you know, they were artificially becoming slight winners in the game instead of like slight losers. Even when they were doing their best to imitate kind of normal forms of play, they were, their cheating was still pretty easily detected uh, by uh, fairly rudimentary methods. Um, and so I think it is, even if you have a lot more kind of uh, intentionality and a lot more, care and thought put into how you were cheating than basically any cheater that we know of at least uh has demonstrated i think it's actually very difficult to get away with it over the long term if anyone is paying attention to you and that's that that's the other thing here is that the 
the My Parcel thing unfolded over a period of literal years because, frankly, not that many people were watching the games. And the, and the few people who were were not watching them that closely. Whereas this is an order of magnitude more popular and uh, there are more eyeballs on this than there are on basically any other form of uh, poker content. And as a result, like the, the literal stakes in terms of how much money is uh, changing hands at the table uh, are, are what they are. But the, the stakes in terms of uh, community engagement and involvement are, are that much higher still. So where are you on what went down here? And I'll say, I think there are many, many different branches within each of these kind of schools of thought here, but I would lay out the kind of three primary positions as either she did cheat in some way that we don't really know yet, she did not cheat and just misread her hand or she did not cheat and it was just a rich inexperienced player saying fuck it i want to beat garrett in a hand so i i will say on on one thing so the idea that giving the money back or offering to give the money back is in itself the the sign of guilt that's the telltale sign i think is completely off base because totally that that to me that is the the most easily understood or defended behavior in all of this case where if if you are someone for whom the money itself barely registers with you and if you're signing up for a poker game in the first place like that should be money that you are comfortable losing at the end of the day um if the money doesn't matter to you and you just want to to play nice and like be accepted by the community and potentially be invited back to the game uh and not be embroiled in some kind of scandal like this then i can see this just being like a peace offering of sorts or if you are if you have that much money in the first place then your go-to MO in life probably is to throw money at situations until they don't need to bother you anymore um, to, to be more cynical about it. And then if you, as she initially said she was, although this also has kind of gone back and forth, if she felt like she was being like cornered or threatened or what have you, then I think, especially for her in that situation, it's an easy kind of a defensive response to just say, okay, yeah, just have it back. Just please stop yelling at me. Mm-hmm. Um and I agree 100 percent, so, by the way, I, I think the people making the point and there are many poker players that I respect a great deal making the argument that why would she give it back other than because she had a guilty conscience? Like if she won it fair and square, of course, she would keep it. I do not buy into that at all. That that has no weight for me on where I stand here. And as you mentioned, there are people who really do have fuck you money who uh, play poker and then have given back money that they've won in the past, partly in order to keep those high stakes games going so that they can continue to play in them. So uh, Gila Liberté, uh, who was the owner of the, the Cirque du Soleil, uh, like billionaire, like has more money than he could ever possibly count or lose in his entire life, was a fixture and a ma- often a massive loser in these uh, like high stakes games in the past. But when he won, he would often just like give the money directly back because he knew that, you know, winning... Five hundred thousand dollars in a in a hand of poker meant nothing to him, but taking that money out of someone else's bankroll legitimately could be the difference between this person who maybe had become a friend at that point showing back up in the next high stakes game that they all wanted to to keep on going. So like this is not without precedent, and from what I can tell, like she is only a multimillionaire and not a billionaire, so these same considerations don't really apply. But I think this is the most easily devalued point. And so the fact that for many people, this is a smoking gun, like it shows how wildly divergent people's perspectives on this topic can be. Totally. Yeah. And so where are you on, did she, didn't she, 
misread her hand, just saying, fuck it. What, what do you think? So at, at this time, my stance is she probably didn't do it, and she is, but she is doing herself absolutely no favors. Nothing about this adds up. And so when that is the case, my priors going in are going to be, well, this is probably the kind of thing that you actually do see often in especially live poker, which is people just losing their minds and doing random shit. And people have done it in much more competitive settings than this, uh, with a lot more on the line, uh, people who are more experienced live players, uh, amateurs, professionals, what have you. Like, you just see a lot of random shit. And hey, you, you could testify to this personally far better than I could. Um, but even though this is certainly one of the, the most baffling hands of televised poker ever over the course of, you know, going on 20 years now in which televised poker has been like a pretty popular thing. Um, despite all of that, I think anyone who has played a an equivalent volume of live poker like has stories like this that they could point you to, even if it's only like a single digit number of them. It is seared into my memory from 2005, <laughs> and I have not forgotten it to this day. A guy correctly called me down with 10 high on a, just an absurd board because he was essentially a person who had it, it was i was in high school and we were playing like a five dollar home game it was his first time ever playing and he just thought i was full of shit and he was right and it didn't matter that even though he's gonna lose to plenty of the hands that i was bluffing with in this spot he just wanted to put his foot down and made the call and was correct there like it by no stretch is impossible to me that someone who doesn't care about the money and doesn't understand poker would make this decision that Robbie made. I am, I'm very, very open to the prospect that she did not cheat. And in fact, that is the direction I am currently leaning. And I will say, I think it is also very possible that she did cheat somehow or saw his hand as it was being dealt or some sort of foul play may have uh, been going on here. But I think as things stand right now, I am of the opinion that she, the the most likely situation in my mind, just having played a frankly mind numbing amount of live poker against inexperienced players over the years is that she did not cheat and just went with her gut for whatever, whatever compelled her to do it. However, as you alluded to, I think she is doing herself no favors along the way here, especially if it is not the case that she misread her hand. Like that is one very prominent school of thought is she thought she had Jack three, which would have been a pair on the way the board ran out. And she was making a hero call with what she thought was bottom pair. Uh, and if I may, I will lay out the case on why I think I agree that she was not cheating, but I do not buy that she thought she had Jack three instead of Jack four, because I, I, I really think in the moment, virtually all signs point to she just has fuck you money. And Garrett has a, a face that uh, <laughs> I would say inspires people to want to make this sort of decision against him in many contexts. Uh, so, I would say, as a person who has watched like the replay video of this several times, it is very much worth noting to me a couple of different things here in terms of like how this goes in real time. So when he goes all in and there's still one card left to come and she starts thinking about the decision, she does say, 
is a three no good, like seeming to suggest that she thinks she has a pair of threes. However, she then looks back at her hand three times. <laughs> like she triple checks what she has. And after she like decides this is something I'm considering doing, she goes on to say, I want to call just to see it. And after she makes that call and before she sees what has actually happened here, the person next to her at the table says, do you have a three? And she says, no. And uh, when Garrett, she says, I have absolutely nothing. I have just a pure bluff catcher. And when Garrett makes it clear to her that he doesn't have a made hand yet either, she says, I still think he has me beat. Like, as far as I'm concerned, other than her saying is a three, no good. Every single thing to this point is consistent with her knowing she just has Jack high and is calling anyway. And then once the cards get flipped over and she sees that Jarrett, that Garrett, excuse me, only had eight high. And it turns out that Jack high was actually good. Her story then immediately goes from, I have nothing. I'm sure he has me beat anyway to knowing all along that he was bluffing. And I just read his soul for worse. And I did quote, I knew you didn't have shit. It wasn't about what I had. It was about what I didn't think you had End quote. And as the commentator in real time, who incidentally uh, is a guy I deeply, deeply like and respect Bart Hansen, who runs a site called crushlifepoker.com, that there is no chance I would be in the position I'm at in my life right now uh, were it not for Bart's training site. So if you're even slightly interested in live poker, free plug, I, I would give Bart all the free plugs he wants. Crushlifepoker.com uh, is without a doubt the place to be. He goes on. He doesn't know that this is going to be some big dramatic controversy as he's saying all of this. He doesn't know what the how all of this is going to play out immediately. He's saying, I think it's potentially likely that she misread her hand. But if she did misread her hand, why wouldn't she say that in the moment? It is not until an interview she does like 10 minutes later that she starts taking the line of, oh, I misread my hand. And furthermore, when she flips over the jack four and sees that it's jack four for this hundred thousand dollar pot that she just called off she has absolutely no reaction to seeing that it is jack four and not jack three which you would think any human in the world if they call off a hundred thousand dollars and then turn their cards over and it's not the hand that they thought they had would have some sort of reaction to indicate that that was the case. And especially like when she's being pressed on it, even if it's a lie, she could just say she misread her hand and she does not make any mention of that. Uh, hey, I, I know some people have uh, perhaps unkindly ascribed that to Botox, which I, I've said it about Will Kirby, so I can say it about her. Uh, but uh, no, you're right that there seems to be, like if you kind of reverse engineer the hand and how it played out from the assumption that she misread it and then, presumably would have been going through this emotional rollercoaster of, oh, fuck, I just made this awful call with uh, this hand that I misread to, oh, wow, I just won the hand because I, I won both runouts when we uh, ran it twice regardless. Uh, you, you would think there would be more like visible emotion on display there than there, than there in fact was. Um, and you, you could argue that when she was kind of embarrassed about that and flustered and didn't know what to say in the moment and was just trying to, you know, you're embarrassed about misreading your hand or whatever, uh, or embarrassed about just making a bad call. And then someone offers you this, this out, this, this save of, yeah, I misread my hand, which is still, I, I mean, it's, 
an embarrassing thing, but hey, we've all done it at least once, and you know, it happens to people. And you kind of embrace that, and then that becomes a narrative that you cling on to, even though the fact that you have publicly disavowed that previously is only going to make the situation look worse now. Like, I can see how someone could talk themselves in into that, and I think it is pretty common for someone to, like, maybe tell a small lie initially, and then having to either double down on that lie or, or abandon it and embrace a new lie, they just keep digging deeper to the point where they're just making the situation worse for themselves and really just need to log off and not say anything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's so hard to, to make sense of any of that. So yeah, I, I think I'm with you in the sense that I think this is just a, a seemingly inexplicable, but ultimately innocent decision. And one thing you do often see a lot from, from amateur players is they will make what I think correctly is the wrong word, but let's use it for now. They correctly ascertain the the broad strokes of the situation. So, oh, I have a sense that Garrett is bluffing. Turns out, yeah, Garrett is bluffing. And, but then that turns into this binary of, well, he is bluffing, therefore I should call. Or uh, he has a strong hand, therefore I should fold. Even though when you get into even any degree of like granularity, uh, well, I'm still not beating almost any of the hands that he could be bluffing with, so, so I should fold. That that angle doesn't really occur to them. It's just, you're bluffing, fuck you, I'm going to call, even though you're right, and you're still going to lose anyway. But that's a common thought process that people will talk themselves into. And it works the other way too, right? Like, I think you have a strong hand, so I should fold, but actually most of the hands that I'm kind of getting scared off of here will still be most of the strong hands that you would be making this play with. Like, you see the, the mirror image of that as well. Uh, so I think that it, it is justifiable in that sense. Uh, where Where Garrett loses me is that um, when he's making this outright cheating allegation, um, he says that he has faith in uh, the Hustle Casino and the people behind it. So Ryan Feldman, Nick Fatucci, to monitor this process. And, and he's very close with those guys. So I get that you want to have faith in your friends and in the whole system behind it. At the same time, if she is cheating, think about the mechanism here. Like, no one has actually come forward with a... Uh, there have been some great meme ideas and some great theories, but no like actual concrete suggestions of how this is how this is all going to go down. It seems to me, and again, you can take some precedent here from the Mike Fossil thing, which may or may not have occurred, is that the easiest way for her to have cheated, if she did, is for her to have someone on the inside who is feeding her this information. If that's the case, either it's someone who is knowingly involved with the, the team, the production team at the casino who's running it, or it's someone who is like under their noses, behind their back, fundamentally undermining the integrity of the entire game. And either way, that reflects horribly on the people involved in running the game. So if you want to say she's cheating, fine. But I would be looking at your boys and wondering what's going on there, because I don't think there's any way you can say, uh, yeah, I think I'm confident she's cheating 100 percent. But I also have complete confidence in the people running this because they you know, their hands must be clean. Right. So what happened is immediately after all this went down, Garrett and Robbie got up from the table and met with Ryan Feldman, the guy who runs the game and uh, who Garrett has known for a very long time and trusts to keep the game secure and everything. Uh, they talked about whatever they talked about. She gave him back the money and Garrett then went on Twitter and released like a long kind of notes app version of his thoughts on everything that just went down. And I agree with you, Dom, that for him to say he is a hundred percent sure she was cheating and he would never have accepted the money back if he weren't fully confident in that. Plus 
he is 100% sure that there's no way anyone on the production team could have possibly been involved. I think that was a very hasty decision and one that potentially, I don't know, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he would want that notes app back or at least that part of it. Uh, to, to quickly return, though, to, to something because I think you nailed it and I just want to double down as far as how Robbie has handled all this. And she incidentally went on Twitter later that night and was like adamantly defending herself. But I think uh, the idea that the I misread my hand line essentially emerged as the only semi-reasonable defense of this utterly indefensible play. As far as I would be concerned, that is the reason that she is taking that line publicly. Again, I do not know. It's, I guess, possible that despite triple checking her hand and making absolutely no indication uh, that this is what happened, she may have legitimately just misread her hand. But I think it is, frankly, much more likely that it became clear to her the only thing that is going to register as a semi-believable defense for this play that I made because I just felt like making it is claiming that I misread my hand. And so what happens is she goes on Twitter and starts tweeting about how she just read Garrett like a book. She sends a couple of tweets about how she just had a stone cold read on him. And then a little bit later than that, uh, a a well-known poker pro Matt Glantz tweeted and she quote tweeted it uh, saying, She was embarrassed about misreading her hand and told nonsensical fibs to cover up an innocent mistake. And Robbie quote tweets that and says, bingo. And I really, having watched this footage several times over, I just don't see how that is consistent with the things she did or said in the ensuing kind of like aftermath in real time. But I could see it being very consistent with what she just ultimately decides is the best way to defend herself. And so uh, to me, again, totally open to the possibility that even though she looked at her hand three times before putting the money in, she thought she had Jack three. I really think it is significantly more likely that that just became clear as the only defense people are willing to accept. So that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. So I think the, that 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 Matt Glance tweet for once actually made some sense, and then <laughs> if 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 that were the case, fair enough. But then immediately after that, she's then telling like different fibs which are inconsistent with it. It's just none of it adds up. It's so I mean, that's what makes it so captivating. Right? Well, I, the, I mean, I think now is a very good time to flag up a totally human factor in poker that is a big piece of what makes being a professional poker player a sustainable livelihood, and that is. When people play poker for many, many, for like a huge percentage of the population, especially those playing like competitively, ego just overwhelms them in in moments like these. And I, I think that is quite likely what happened to Robbie here is once she saw that her just kind of YOLO call was indeed right all along, as crazy as it may have seemed to everyone else she wanted to go in on Garrett and say, I mean, she literally says immediately after, like, you've been letting me do this to you all day. And I did this to you a couple nights ago when we played and she goes on Twitter and starts talking about how she just read him like a book. I can, I think it is quite likely that Robbie has let her ego kind of dictate a lot of the explanations she's given. And in the heat of the moment, 
there is very little that is more understandable than that to me as someone who has spent a huge amount of time at poker tables. I, someone this new to the game is almost a mortal lock to, to allow that sort of thing to affect them. And especially when a thing that seems crazy on the surface ends up working out for them, they are very inclined to want to make it look like as impressive as possible. Yeah. I, like if, if you make your money from poker, you make your money from people doing just completely nonsensical things a lot of the time. And necessarily, that is the case, right? Like it is a zero-sum game where there are winners and there are losers and the money has to go somewhere. And ideally, if you are table selecting properly and you're bringing your A game, like you win money from other people's mistakes, you're making fewer mistakes and you're exploiting theirs properly. Like, I, I, I don't know. There, there seems to be this demand for rigorous thought processes from a bunch of people whose like entire professional raison d'etre consists of other people act irrationally a lot of the time and that's how i make my money which is part of why like i'm not going to sit here and say that i would have the, the skill or the drive or whatever to actually make it in poker and especially not to anywhere near the degree that you have but like part of what kind of wards me off or gives me gives me the ick as the, the people like to say about parts of the community is that like that is kind of baked into how it operates is that you at once need to welcome in the people who you then rely on handing you their money by making bad decisions. And there's, I'm not going to get on my high horse and say that's predatory or whatever, <laughs> but it's, you, you see what I'm saying, though, right? Like it's, it's not the kind of thing where there's this like fun spirit of collaboration and we can all win and succeed in this together. It is inherently more kind of competitive in that sense. And so, um, you know, do you want more Robbies in the game or do you want more Garrett's? Well, I mean, you can take either stance on that, but... No, I want more Robbies, please. I'll take you, all the Robbies. You, you, want, you, want, you want more Robbies and you also want more of the people who are taking to Twitter to, Twitter to say, well, Garrett's just bitter that he lost and that she made this perfect soul read. And actually, people have got so mad at me before when I read their hand perfectly and saw they were bluffing and made this amazing call. You want those people in the games. You want them to uh, to show you the flashing lights on the scoreboard. Um, and uh, it, it sounds like we may get some, some more great hashtag content out of this because, uh, as is the custom, Robbie challenged Garrett to heads up for rolls and Garrett fell on a bound to accept. And th this is one of the more obnoxious but also more charming parts of the community is it almost feels like when you know, in like the 1600s where legal disputes were settled by duels instead of by the merits of the case. It's like, well, hey, let, let's just get in the trenches and sort this out for ourselves. And the beauty of poker is that sometimes like the Robbie in that case will beat the Garrett and that, that will be the that that will be the result on the scoreboard here. Um, in stark contrast to if we want to seamlessly transition into the other drama that has been convulsing the Internet over the past month or so, a game where in in one sense, there is no variance whatsoever. It's a pure skill game, uh, and the scoreboard looks very different when all of that is uh, kept in mind. It, it absolutely does. Let me, before we get into the chess thing, and we don't need to belabor, belabor uh, the poker part of all of this for too much longer, uh, I did want to just quickly say as we wrap this up, as I hope I've been clear about this whole time, I certainly am not trying to suggest that I know how any of this went down with certainty. And I think all of the various schools of thought are still well within the realm of possibility. The only people I would say who are just conclusively wrong and should never have opened their mouths about this whole situation in the first place are those on Twitter 
who are suggesting that Garrett is just being a sore loser and that the math nerds are just upset that Robbie did something that the book would deem suboptimal. Uh, I, I don't have the source of this tweet in front of me, but I saw an excellent tweet uh, that, said, that I wrote down that said, and apparently did not feel uh, inclined to write down the source, unfortunately. Uh, you said, quote, Hearing poker laymen chime in on the scandal should make you very wary about listening to anybody talk about anything. End quote. Yes. And I and I think I have certainly fallen into that camp myself. I'm probably about to fall into that camp over the I'm sure I have over the course of this podcast already and will continue to do so. Oh, uh, oh look, our, our takes on this fishing scandal are gonna be whack, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I uh, it overall though is just such a wild story. I still frankly don't really know what to believe as things stand now i think she made a, a common thing that happens uh in poker or fairly routine things that happen thing fairly routine thing that happens in poker is someone will make what turns out to be the correct play for like completely the wrong reasons and that to me is the most plausible explanation at this point, and then the trying to explain herself and changing her story a bunch of times was just feeling like there was an immense amount of pressure on her, which there absolutely was, and just not really knowing what she was talking about. And further, you know, from the opposite perspective, when she can't even begin to describe why she did what she did coherently, I do not fault Garrett virtually at all for feeling like the likeliest explanation by a mile is that she somehow knew exactly what he had or somehow got a signal that as long as she got to showdown, she was going to end end up like with the winning hand. And uh, to just wrap this up for real now, I think one of, I, I mean, I'm reluctant to even call it a handful of people who have a more sterling reputation in the poker world, but one of those, there are two names that I was able to come up with that would, conclusively get more kind of benefit of the doubt in this spot than Garrett would to people in the entire world <laughs> who would be more worth defaulting to believing. And those people were Eric Seidel and Phil Galfond, just for the record. I think Phil summed up the whole thing pretty well in saying, I don't think either party handled this perfectly, but they both handled it in a way that I wouldn't judge given the cir given the circumstances. And this is just su such an utterly like absurd and unprecedented set of circumstances that I'm not going to kill either one of these people for potentially in the heat of the moment uh, doing something that they might regret. And w we will see how all of this plays out. Uh, but yes, Dom, for now, I think we are good to, to wrap up on uh, the poker drama of it all and weave our way into the chess drama, which I feel like I heard that there's some conclusive kind of investigation and report coming out pretty soon. But what do we know as things stand right now about what's looking likely? Okay, so I'll, I'll try to give a quicker summary of this than I did of the, the chess drama, but I've got, I've got that, pre or of the poker drama, excuse me, but I have that practice under my belt now, so hopefully we can rocket this along. Here goes. So, brief summary. Magnus Carlsen, uh, current chess ball champion, uh, not sure if he's the actual greatest of all time, but certainly in contention, top, you know, single digits chess player of all time, after Beth Harmon, obviously, uh, easily has the biggest public profile of anyone currently alive in the chess world. And it's a type who 
has that like mainstream appeal and charisma such as like he has modeling contracts he's on the cover of magazines like he is the it guy of chess and he's that perfect blend of like uh idolize in the chess community also idolize outside the chess community and what whichever one of those you fall into you kind of admire or are envious of that other half of him so like he is the golden god if you like of poker and of chess. even though he and incidentally and, as well far, also of poker yes <laughs> well yeah he, he has gotten way into the poker streets uh lately and he is going to be an absolute beast at poker if he sticks with it i saw an incredible hand where he turned pocket aces to a into a bluff uh which is like just a super sharp play uh given the way that it turned out but one that very very few would ever make and i would be shocked if magnus were not already better than me at poker even just like uh a couple of years into his career but i believe it is the case that he is while there may not be any kind of like conclusive rankings along these lines the people i know who are extremely talented and kind of in touch chess players have been have told me that Magnus has been the consensus greatest player of all time since he was about 19 years old, over a decade ago. Yeah, and even though he has been vocally uh, disillusioned or disinterested in a lot of parts of the the chess world, so he's announced that he's not defending his world championship title, for example. Uh, even though he is uh, past his peak in terms of his interest in the game. Uh, he certainly seems to be in his prime in terms of performance. So in one of these tournaments that we're going to be uh, talking about in a second, he forfeits his match against the, the guy he suspects of cheating and then just has like this clean sweep of the rest and just wins the whole thing uh, regardless without breaking his sweat. Like he he is the best player in the world and he, he makes that known at every uh, opportunity. Um, and so he is like, he is the big cheese in the poker world. I think if you ask most people, who don't follow chess to name a chess player, like Magnus Carlsen would be, actually Beth Harmon would still be top of this, but <laughs> Magnus Carlsen would be uh, the actual living person who uh, I think would be highest on the, the family uh, feud board there. Um, and then, so th this is someone who, whenever he loses, especially as the white pieces where you're, like, you have this advantage, which is basically impossible to really quantify, but like it is, it is known that, you know, you want to be uh, on the right side of things like him losing to this guy who is known within the chess community, certainly, but is a pretty unknown figure outside of that. Like him losing that match in itself is something you would like raise an eyebrow about and it would get people uh, chatting uh, about. Uh, but you expect to pick up some of those losses over the course of, you know, a consistent career. So the backdrop for this tournament, uh, the Singfield Cup, is that. He plays against this guy, Hans Niemann, loses his match, and he then withdraws from the tournament uh, with no explicit explanation. But he sends a tweet which all but alludes to or encourages these accusations of foul play. There was some like uh, Jose Mourinho uh, gif slash gif, heard it both ways, uh, that related to some like famous scandal uh, in soccer or football, heard it both ways. Um, and so without really saying as much, he basically six the attack dogs on this guy Hans Lehmann uh, and then since then and this was about a month ago at this point the community has just been really split down the middle on this question of uh did Hans cheat or did he not and as a follow-up was Magnus right to react to that in the way that he did and how he's handled it since then so he withdraws from that tournament and the organizers announced that they're going to institute a uh, like a stream delay and they, additional security measures just to like tighten up some of those security procedures, even though 
there are already procedures in place like when you enter the tournament hall you get like uh i, I don't know if it's like a scanner or, or what have you but they have like physical ways of of checking for like devices or so on and these are necessary because the chess world for as much as it might seem like a fairly kind of uh boring uh, sport from the outside to some people it has been riven by scandal and riven by cheating scandals in particular so uh, there was a, a famous one recently where uh there was some like device or note taped to the underside of like a toilet lid which someone when they were on their uh their toilet break was like uh cross-referencing with that or there was been... a bulgarian guy i remember okay. it well because my bulgarian <laughs> friend yeah. is a big chess player <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I, other examples throughout the years of just like really bizarre uh, cheating scandals. And back when, like in the 70s and 80s, when chess had this kind of geopolitical significance almost, and that, you know, famously the match between uh, uh, Bobby Fischer and uh, Boris Spassky, it was, it was not just this amazing match of chess and this clash of the titans at the top of their game. It was also this, uh, this vessel for all of these uh, political feelings and the the kind of acrimony between these two countries and these two you know political systems and ways of life to express itself uh, and so there are a lot of baseless accusations of cheating back and forth in there and that was one thing bobby fisher was was known for was uh being on his guard uh just making these accusations at all times and then he took this sharp conspiratorial turn towards the end of his life where he was like very like vocally anti-semitic and just really went off the deep end um but and then you had like uh Karpov and Kasparov and so on. There was, there was a lot of like drama back in the day in the 90s as well. And so it, it, even in like the pre-internet era before a lot of the technological advances that we know of today really came into play, this was just a constant feature of the chess landscape. So suffice to say, if there were some new cheating scandal, it would not be, that, that in itself would not be shocking. But the the nature of this one and the, the details of this one have really grabbed people's eye in the world of like the 24-hour news cycle where uh in one sense, it means that something like this can go global and go viral instantly. On the other hand, it means that, you know, tomorrow there's going to be some new story which is kicking this off a lot of the headlines. But for the people in this this niche, in this uh, in this community, then it's easy for that to just become this firestorm that's all that anyone is talking about. And this too, like the, the poker drama that we kicked off the show with, this has also gone mainstream. Like This is something that has been covered in regular news outlets as actual legitimate news which is uh kind of wild to think about even though you know chess i think you know it is this like somewhat universal game it's a it's a known quantity um magnus carlson is a high profile public figure despite all of that the the level of attention that this is receiving has also come as a surprise to a lot of people right and in this case as well maybe this is wrong of me but i default to the biggest question in my mind being why would Magnus go this route if he didn't very, very, very strongly believe it? Like Magnus is, I would say, kind of like a Roger Federer type where I, as far as I've ever heard, and much like Garrett, no one's ever really said a, a bad word about them over the course of their entire career. And all they ever have to do is just not get involved in anything along these lines and they will spend the rest of their days being just immortal and walking the planet uh and that's just such a tough thing for me to put into the back of my mind of like there's so much disincentive for magnus to get caught up in this sort of thing and he's a guy who has you know as great as he is at chess has certainly lost 
tons of chess games in all these. It's it's not like this was eliminating him from some major tournament or whatever. This is some random tournament. But he thought what was going on was so sketchy that he felt compelled to make this much of a point about it. Like that alone carries a very significant amount of weight for me. So, well, I, uh, Magnus is is someone who famously does not take losses well but the crucial thing there is he tends to beat himself up internally and he said in the past that he is very self-critical about his losses to the point where he's been like paralyzed with anxiety after losses like in his hotel room or tournaments just like kicking himself over uh, mistakes that he's made or lines that he's missed and i'm sure Garrett, like, by the way is exactly the same way yeah. in poker where he beats himself up over things he does wrong but but as far as I can tell, that has not translated into I'm going to berate you over the board and let you know how much of an idiot you are for missing this, this, and this, and, and so on. Uh, but in any case, over in the blue corner, we have his opponent, Hans Niemann, who uh, is this American uh, chess uh, pro, and I think prodigy is, is a fair word to describe it too. And he he's a Zoomer, he's Gen Z, he's uh, born in, I want to say, 2002, 2003. Gross. One of those guys who was so young that it's, yeah, it's like actively offensive to me how someone can be that young and that good at something. And I think back at how just like completely incompetent I was, and still am, frankly, at everything when I was 19. And I like, compare <laughs> it to that, and it's just, oh, God, it's terrible to think about. In any case, um, he's someone who has been pretty clear, like his entire life is chess. So Magnus, best in the world of chess, has a lot of other stuff going on, uh, you know, excels at everything he tries. The one thing that Hans tries and that Hans cares about is chess. And like he lives, eats and breathes uh, chess. He's, you know, he's had periods in the past where he's just been like in his room studying chess 12 hours a day, only emerging to like order food from DoorDash or whatever. Like he, he really goes hard at chess. That's all he is. And he's known for having a somewhat uh, weird or quirky public persona uh, in, like in his interviews. And he's like a, a little shy, a little awkward, what have you, but also can be pretty combative on Twitter and so on if he feels, uh, you know, he has some grievance to air. So um, someone who has not really adjusted to the public eye in that sense, but in any case. Um, so the thing that really raised people's hackles after Magnus raised suspicions himself was in his post-game interviews where Hans has this historic, especially for him, like uh, for someone at his at that stage of his career to win in that way as black over Magnus in this kind of a setting, that is a, a truly amazing moment for him. Like he does it in such a way where he's like finding these super obscure lines based on, you know, he, he says that he saw this, uh, this line that uh, Magnus has taken in some quite uh, un unknown or obscure game a while back. And like, he studied that continuation and prepared for it and so on, whatever you believe there, like even with that in mind, to win that game in the way he did would require a really like top top of the world level of talent to to rival Magnus himself. Like this is a Magnusian or uh, he really put his whole Magnusy into it is what I'm trying to say here. In any Magnanimous. case, uh, sure, we'll go with it. Um, anyway, so Hans puts on this like feat of genius to win this match against the best in the world. And then in his post game interviews seems incapable of talking about not just that line and giving his reasoning for it but about chess as a whole like you you watch you watch that interview back and if you yourself are a a good chess player which i'm not i'm coming to this as an outsider but from what i've heard from people who are at that level like th this is not the the caliber of analysis that you know 
a good player should be giving, let alone a great player who has just put on this amazing display. Um, and so that immediately got people suspicious, but you can maybe write that off as a one-off as, oh, well, you know, he's just on this high after the tournament. And actually there are a lot of kind of uh, savants in chess who, yeah, over the board, they can find this amazing lie, but actually explaining that thought process, maybe it's not so easy in front of the cameras uh, and so on. You, you could maybe grant that to some extent. Um, but then this carries on to where like Hans famously has this line that, oh, that the chess speaks for itself. But it seemed like in this case, when the level of that chess is so far above and beyond what you would expect from a, a player of his, like his rating and his caliber and from his prior performances, um, it does start to raise some questions. Uh, and so, you know, when Magnus makes this veiled accusation, Hans essentially treats it as you have just publicly accused me of cheating, which is essentially true, and really just bit back in full force. And so you now have these these two sides fully developing of the Magnus fans versus the Hans fans. Um, and they are giving they're not giving anything to the other side at all. You either think Hans is this like diabolical loser of a kid who is uh, besmirching the good name of chess, or you think that Magnus is putting himself and the entire like integrity of competitive chess as a sport into uh, disrepute by the way he's treating this like, this innocent young kid who you know and again it's like this sore loser criticism right like oh yeah well you're only doing this because you you're the great magnus carlson and the idea of you ever losing a match of chess is so difficult to uh, to fathom that you you reach for this as the the most likely explanation instead um but it turns out that in the past hans has been banned from several online chess sites repeatedly for cheating at online chess which and the defense that gets brought up with that is, well, everyone's doing it, which by itself just doesn't seem like it would be a good defense or an accurate one. It turns out in this case, I, actually, yes, a lot of people, like more than you would possibly think, are cheating at online chess. And um, you have both insiders at places like chess.com and so on, and also your know, other masters, grandmasters who have had the chance to kind of get the inside scoop, go behind the curtain on this, saying that the the scale and the intensity of cheating at online chess is like difficult to fathom. And it, it involves names that would shock you if you heard them. And it's like a real, the, the, what you know about in public, it's a tip of the iceberg. Oh, it's sense. 100% the exact same way in poker, by the way. I mean, I have yes. played online poker is completely unplayable from now until the end of time for me, as far as like, it's just become way too easy for people to cheat if they are so inclined. And I'm not surprised at all to hear that it's very common in chess as well. And like even some of there was a before this Garrett and Robbie thing, there was a big poker controversy like over the summer, uh, like just before the world series of poker started of a few of like the biggest names in poker, essentially getting caught for cheating at online poker. And it's like situations. And I'm guessing it's similar in chess where it's like, they are literally some of the best players in the world. Like you don't need to cheat to make an insane amount of money, but like they're just so competitive that they do anyway. And in chess, I'm guessing they're mostly playing for free and still feel compelled to cheat because like just winning is worth it to them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, with Hans, it's, it's not just him. It's basically everyone, including as it turns out, uh, Hans is a coach who Magnus in one of his like, in one of his later statements, which was more explicit in saying, I think there was some cheating that occurred, but saying, I can't divulge the details, you know, for legal reasons and the investigation system process, but making these very snippy comments about, 
you know, uh, Maxime, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, but Hans's coach who himself was involved in some kind of cheating scandal. Um, so when you have this guy who has a history of cheating, and admittedly this was from when he was like, you know, a young teenager, which how much people actually develop between the ages of like 14 and 19, I guess is up for debate there. But either way, there is some there is some precedent there. And you can say, okay, well, it's online chess and maybe everyone's at it. Does that necessarily mean that in this uh, live over the board setting, uh, he was both willing and able to cheat in the same way? Um, but given all of the other live cheating scandals that have taken place, it's, it's a natural place for people's thoughts to jump to, I think. And then the other thing is that there is this just severe institutional rot at the heart of chess. And it, it's systemic. It goes to the heart of almost all of the major like chess institutions and uh, a lot of the, the tournament bodies and so on. Uh, all of them have had, been abroad in their own like corruption scandals, funding scandals, or whatever you name it, whatever kind of iniquity a body like that could get involved in. And even some that you might think, like, how is a chess tournament organizer getting up to that shit? Well, they are. So it's, you know, like, for a, again, a sport which, or a game which seems like it's fairly, like, both classy and boring and should not be, have that level of, like, uh, iniquity attached to it. Like, chess organizations fucking suck. Like, they are just the, the bottom of the barrel. And so it, it's not like there's some trusted authority that you could draft in to adjudicate this or to investigate it because they too are tarnished with their decades-long history of impropriety and so um against that backdrop it's tough for people to know who to trust but the the question on everyone's mind at the moment is do you trust magnus or do you trust hans or neither i suppose which one do you trust uh well so we're, we're in the same spot again of no one has actually suggested uh, a method for how the cheating is taking place, which is how oh, we get to, which is how we get to anal beads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which honestly is not that implausible. Uh, but... So to, to, sorry to keep cutting you off, but I believe it's the case that with the anal beads that literally started as like some guy on Twitter making a joke and it like got picked up as a serious theory by some newspaper that didn't really know what they were talking about. Yes. Um, but then, it, as these things do, it acquired a life of its own. And because it is, it is a kind of thing where um, the, the thing people say on Twitter, where it's like, well, yeah, it turns out it's not true. But the fact that I believe it could be true really tells you a lot about society. <laughs> like that, that, that's the status of the, the anal beads uh, theory uh, at, at this point. Um, but after this initial spat kicked all of this off, well, then every single prominent figure in the chess community had to weigh in with their own uh, thoughts and takes. So, for example, Hikaru Nakamura, who is you know, one of the best players in the world, I think it's fair to say, but also maybe the best shit stirrer in the chess community and a known just like, uh, you know, if there's any like minor dust up, you can bet that Hikaru has some reaction video about it posted to his YouTube channel or something. Like, he's someone who you knew was going to bring more publicity to this and not in a good way. And sure enough, that's, ex that's exactly what he did. Um, and then all of these other pros, you know, past and present, uh, you know, names who you might know from hearing about them on the news back in the day, like Gary Kasparov and so on, like, uh, you know, chess, uh, best and brightest, past and present. Everyone feels obliged to give their own two cents on this situation. Um, and so it seems like this is a situation where, you know, given the context of cheating in chess, 
it's more fair to say where there's smoke, there's fire than there would be in activities where that you didn't have the same history. But also given Hunter's history himself and the input of a lot of the respected figures in the chess scene on this, it seems like something is something is amiss, right? And even though there's an investigation, which we don't know where that's going to come or if, if the results of that are even going to be reliable, um, there's going to be... Th- th- that's not going to be the end of it. There's still going to be this specter, this cloud hanging over uh, Hans and his future tournaments and also over Marcus. Uh, Marcus, Magnus. There's the same thing of like, well, you just brought your own reputation down into the gutter by lobbying accusations against this guy with nothing to back it up, with no no actual evidence and, and so on. Um, and so if the finding is there's no evidence that Hans did anything wrong here, then I think the jury is out on how a lot of people are going to perceive Magnus. And you saw this with Garrett, where you go on like Poker Twitter, Poker Reddit. They have really turned on Garrett in a big way. Um, and so a lot of people who I think would have been disengaged or been fans of either one of them in the past are really reconsidering that view now. So there is... In both of these cases, big hits to people's reputations. The only question is, how is that damage going to be distributed when all is said and done? Right, and that is why the the biggest factor for me with both of the poker scandal and the chess scandal is, it's just wild what a reverse free roll Garrett and Magnus are respectively laying for themselves. And like whether they are right that their opponent was cheating or wrong, I think one thing that no one would dispute is that they believe they are right whether whether they may be paranoid or whatever you want to call it but there is no circumstance in either of their cases as far as i'm concerned where they would make these sort of accusations without feeling like that is definitely what happened like magnus is certainly very used to losing chess matches in i'm sure more number of ways than i could even wrap my mind around and i think in both of their cases it comes down to how they lost and just how like sketchy it all seemed. And I don't even, I have no idea what that means. What like the chess equivalent of someone calling down Jack four high, no pair, no draw would be, but I have no doubt that Magnus understands what the chess equivalent is. And something went off for his radar that is and, like, historically sharp. And interest more so than with poker, because you don't have that same element of variance. And because there are such, sophisticated tools for analyzing the game you can for example do what a lot of people have done and uh compare how well hans's moves in a lot of his games line up with the moves that a a top tier chess engine would suggest versus how much that is true of other top players and what some of them have found uh, or this is the theory at least is that uh you know hans is batting way above his weight and also above like any kind of realistic human level of performance including magnus including whoever you think is like second third uh uh down that list and so if you buy that well then clearly there is you know that there is smoke and there is fire however there are then questions about well okay how are you doing this statistical analysis and uh you know what level of chess engine is it fair to use to make those comparisons and uh what kind of game should enter into that sample and so as always even when you have these powerful tools to use there are legitimate doubts over like what is the best way to use them how do you make sure that data is useful and not just more noise added to this already incredibly messy uh situation um and so magnus 
followed through on this belief of his. So he he uh, withdrew from that tournament, and in doing so, actually kind of corrupted the integrity of that tournament because uh, you think about what happens when one player withdraws. Well, now you have this situation where, like, okay, let's say there are eight players. Well, now there are seven players, which means every round, like, well, there's a buy being given out, and there's this this there's this mismatch in how often each person's going to get like white pieces versus black pieces, how many opportunities you get to earn points. And so um, like there, there is a real sense of like, it, it's not a self-contained thing. When you quit a tournament like that, you are having this wider effect on everyone in that building, in that tournament. Um, and then later on in, in this other event, which uh, the two of them uh, were both playing in, when they were paired, Magnus, he made like two moves uh, just out of like obligation and then forfeited the match. Uh, yeah. And then went on to win the whole thing and so on. But like that, that's the thing that people remember about that tournament is Hans, it is Magnus after that initial uh, controversy following through by conceding that match and not the fact that he won all these other matches and, and won the tournament. And that is the, that's going to be the tone of every one of these events from now on is if the two of them are in the, in the thing together is will they get paired? And if, or when they get paired, um, what's going to happen? Like that, that is the question on people's minds and not, Oh, is Feruza going to get this like breakout performance again? Or is all of the other names, all of the other results kind of pale into insignificance compared to well how what is the next stage of the magnus versus hands uh uh scandal and there's this question now of if you are a tournament organizer you now have this thing hanging over your tournament so like are you meant to not invite one of these two players does if you trust magnus then you kind of have to think on some level that hands is guilty of something and so you're, you're being forced to pick a side and you're being forced to pick a side between the most high-profile figure in chess, current world champion, so on and so forth, game's biggest ambassador, or this guy who has this whiff of sulfur hanging around him, but it's unclear what the status of him is currently. And it's just a, a messy situation in a game where just, like, every tournament is inherently, uh, at, at this high level, is inherently a messy situation that has any right to be. Yeah, and it is pretty uh, staggering based on what little I, frankly, understand about the chess situation how kind of apt the parallels are between Garrett and what's going on in poker and then Magnus and everything going on in chess. And uh, one other thing that I should have said when we were wrapping up on the poker side of it, and I, I would guess that the same applies here. uh, Another take that I feel pretty comfortable saying is just flat out wrong is the idea that any of this is like a ruse to drum up interest in what's going on with the game and to like bring viewers into the live streams and following the tournaments and so forth. To me, that is just like patently off the table. Are you on roughly that same page? Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, but also I don't know who you would credit with this or blame for this. And like it, yeah, I think it, in this case, the simplest explanation is just that, this is a community where a lot of this stuff gets slung back and forth. And like, it's no surprise that something like this happened eventually. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, there was also a semi-recent big backgammon controversy that took that whole oh, wow. world by storm. The, uh, the <laughs> details of which I will spare you from in today's podcast. But Dom, we do have one other, I think, pretty kind of late breaking, at least at the time of this recording, maybe a few days old at this point. I don't know a ton of the details here, but I did see a little bit about it in passing. What is going on with the fishing cheating controversy? (laughs) I have no idea, but this is, 
I, hey, I, I'm sure if you are a fishing enthusiast or whatever, you you follow all of these competitive fishing players, fishermen, fishermen, whatever. Fishing players, uh, I think, is the right way of framing it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure if you are like enmeshed in that community, then like this is the the big scandal of the moment. This is the story. And oh yeah, have you heard about this chess thing with that like Magnus Carlson guy? Uh, but yeah, this is. For us, this is the thing which we're looking on as onlookers being like, well, this too. And th- th- to me, this is the proof that we are living in a simulation where all of this <laughs> is contrived to be as as entertaining as humanly possible. Uh, but based on what hasty reading I was able to do to prepare for this segment, um, my understanding is, so there's this, there was this fishing tournament uh, in Ohio. I think first place took home about $30,000. Uh, so relative small fry. Thank you. Uh, compared to these other events, but um, basically the winning team, uh, they stuff their fish with like lead waste and like other like small materials, which were small, but like heavy and bulky. So they would increase the, the weight of the fish or the total catch. Um, and so when the fish were weighed and like it's, it's based on like you, if you have the, the heaviest catch and you, you win the, the, the contest or whatever, then uh, they were able to like push themselves in front of the pack that way. Um, But then the director of the tournament had this eagle eye and he realized that, okay, well, based on what I know of these fish and just eyeballing this at a glance, these fish should be maybe half of what uh, is coming up on the scales right now. So clearly something uh, is, is amiss. And apparently there are grumbles in the crowd too. that like, they they knew something was fishy here. Uh, Okay. Tough crowd. Thank you. Um, But uh, so when, the tournament organizer like sliced open the fish with a knife and pulled out this like lead ball and the crowd went wild and you know the, the video of that went viral and so on uh, and meanwhile the the team who you know, won in air quotes the tournament and who whose cheating was like rumbled there in real time which was like standing watching just like flabbergasted that, that, that they got caught um and so in contrast to some of these other events where it's like okay maybe at the table the garrett versus robbie thing people have their views or what have you and then at the the Sinkfield Cup, you know, there, there were there were murmurs in the chess press gallery. Here it's like the entire tournament, uh, the, everyone else is standing around you, just like baying for your blood when you're you're exposed. So to, even though this is uh, the the smallest stakes and the most obscure of all of these, I kind of think the atmosphere in the moment must be more electric potentially than than any of the others. Oh, no question about that. Uh, I'm going to do my best not to be one of the people who knows literally nothing about poker and chimes in anyway as things <laughs> pertain to fishing here, other than it is a very scintillating story. And to me, all of this uh, kind of wraps itself up in the idea of nothing is safe anymore, especially with computers continuing to just get smarter and smarter every year. Uh, I guess that doesn't pertain that much to fishing, but like wherever there is any sort of like semi-significant money to be won, there are going to be some shenanigans from time to time and people are not wrong to keep one eye at the very least wide open uh for any sort of things along those lines and i don't mean to suggest that anyone playing any game of any type should constantly be airing on the side of paranoia but it really is staggering to see all of these various controversies going on basically simultaneously and the main takeaway i have had is be very nervous about anything you are gambling on or betting on uh 
in one form or another, nothing is off limits. I will be zero percent surprised if we get to the next Winter Olympics and there's some sort of like curling scandal or whatever. It, it seems like we're at the point where all bets are off. There is someone in whatever your game of choice is who will do everything they can to cheat. So stay aware of that. Uh, yeah, Dom, anything else uh, that you feel like needs summing up here neatly at the end in a nice little bow for the people? Uh, yes, be, be cynical and distrust everyone around you, yes. including and especially your own friends and family. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Dom. I think that's going to do it for us here today yes. on the cheat cast. Uh, we will be back. I mean, for, yeah. hey, if there are more scandals like this emerging, this could become like a regular series, a regular segment. We'll see how it plays. It looks like we may be trending that direction. So, hey, uh, nice little pivot potentially coming down the line for us here. But we will indeed be back talking more Survivor. It's just again, hey, been a crazy last several weeks for me. We- I- we are overdue some kind of survivor cheating scandal. Like maybe, hey, maybe the beads in Cody's hat, like he's getting signals about what, what votes in the voting. Uh, like, but there's that, a whole rabbit hole we can go down here. I, I mean, we are making our way to the middle kind of post-merge phase of Micronesia, so we may have a bit of uh, Ooh, something yeah. to chew on there when the time comes. But uh, we'll be back for sure now for 43 next week after episode three. Now that I know I actually have a uh, reliable place to record in my new pad here dom anything else from you this week no i'm good all right thank you everyone who has made it this far i don't know how many of you are conceivably out there stuck with us through all of the fishing uh in an hour and over an hour and 45 minutes of just scandals in general but uh great times hope anyone who made it this far did indeed enjoy it and is not just hate listening to us uh for this length of time he is of course on twitter at dom hrv i am on twitter at colin stone more survivor stuff for real coming very soon uh 43 off to an excellent start so excited to dive back into that for now though i believe that's going to do it thank you everyone who has made it this far we will talk soon take care everybody